Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. I often say that this show is not home of the Ducks, not home of the Beavers, not really home of the Vikings, not home, you know, this show's just home of the truth. Today, we're going to try to get to the bottom of some truth. We've got great guests like Dan Lanning, the Oregon football coach. We'll go to Salt Lake City to talk to uh, Josh Furlong, who's a beat reporter, covers the Utes. We'll talk Utah and Oregon. We'll talk about Oregon State's pursuit of the best bowl game they can possibly get into in Sun Bowl representatives targeting Oregon State now, or are they? Kelly Graves will be with us, Oregon women's basketball coach. We'll talk about the UC Regents and a whole bunch more. We got great guests today, great guests tomorrow. Tomorrow's show special as well. Dan Lanning today at 4.15. Tomorrow on the program, John Robinson, legendary USC coach. And Joe Starkey, not Joe Starkey, the big play. His last big game this weekend, Cal Stanford. Joe Starkey's hanging it up. Great guests on the next two days. I hope you're here for it. We're going to start today, though, by talking about our picks in the Pac-12. I have been on fire this season. Last week, eh, you know, I was 2-4. and four. But I was on fire before that. That's what's important. Uh, we've got our picks for the week. We're going to rip through those. We're going to talk about the Regents. They met today, basically gave an air sandwich. They punted to uh, mid-December on a decision on UCLA. Kind of feel like... Uh, California and the political gears uh, cranking in California are, are uh, holding us all uh, at, uh, at, at, a, at the whim of uh, whoever is running the UC Regent system, and we're not going to get resolution till mid-December there. Could be, uh, could be an interesting couple of months as we look forward to what the Pac-12 will be, but we got to start with the weekend game. Steven's ready. He's hydrated. He's in an athletic stance. Peter's ready as well. Before I get there, though, I want to call attention, if you're a Blazer fan, to an opportunity for you tonight to go to the Blazers-Nets game. That's right, Blazers-Nets tonight, Moda Center. We've got an auction going on, the BFT Foundation does, that includes two courtside seats plus parking for tonight's Blazers-Nets game. Section 101, that's center court. Uh, it is the row immediately behind the scorer's table, so it's courtside, but you're right behind the scorer's table. Uh, if you are interested in those tickets, they are up for bid now between now and 4 o'clock, just the next hour, and you can do it by going to my Twitter, at John Canzano BFT, or going to the BFT Foundation's Twitter, which is at BFT Foundation on Twitter, and uh, if you want to bid on those auction items, go ahead and do that. Uh, you're helping kids if you do that. But two courtside tickets plus parking for tonight's Blazers-Nets game. 
Can you guys imagine that? Like, Stephen, Peter, would you like to be sitting courtside for the Blazers-Nets tonight? I would love it to watch the first-place Portland Trailblazers. There you go. Blazers sitting pretty. How about you, Peter? Oh, man, that's literally the best seat in the house. Kevin Durant in town. And look, you know, I know the Nets have been a circus, but they got smoked in their last game. I got a feeling it's going to be a tight one tonight, man. But it'd be a fun experience, and I think Mm. some people who want to go uh, can also, uh, you know, can get get that experience of going and sitting in a courtside seat for a important Blazer game tonight. Moda Center. If you want to help kids in the BFT Foundation, you can do that, and you can uh, find that by going to uh, the Twitter account of the Bald Face Truth Foundation at BFT Foundation, or my Twitter account. I retweeted it at John Canzano BFT. Take a look at that auction and bid away. All right, let's talk about the Pac-12 games that are going on this weekend, guys. Let's start with Washington State at Arizona, Saturday, 11 a.m. on the Pac-12 Networks. Jaden Delora says it's personal, and I believe Jaden Delora when he says it's personal. But I wonder if Washington State's going to take it personally. Anybody know? Anybody know if Washington State will? The Wildcats are 4-6. and six. They need to win the final two games of the season to be bowl eligible. So I think this game is going to be really close, and it is a game at Arizona. I like Washington State to win it, but I think it's really close. So I'll take Arizona in the three and a half points. I think it's like 31-30 or 30-27, to something like that, or 30-28. to I like, I like Washington State to win the game, but Arizona to cover. I like Arizona to win the game, and I think you touched on it. Jane Delora taking this personal. Arizona, nice win at UCLA to get the win to get to four and six. They got to win their last two, but they're winnable. Against Washington State, against Arizona State, I think Arizona can get to a bowl game. Washington State already got to that sixth win, so they are eligible. I think Arizona wins outright, so give me Arizona plus the points and on the money line. There you go, Peter. Man, I'm leaning the other way. I think Washington State lulled in the middle of the season. They've gotten right against a couple, uh, how how should we say it, less than great teams. I know Arizona's motivated, but I think Washington State's on a roll. They're going to cover. Let's go to the second game of the week, Oregon State at Arizona State, Saturday, 11-15 in the morning, ESPN2, nice and early for the Beavers. The seven-win Beavers are in a groove, but they also have trouble in Tempe. So uh, they're also banged up with a series of injuries. I expect multiple starters to not play in this Oregon State game. I think the Beavers are good enough to win anyway, but this one, Oregon State's favored by 7.5. I think the spread's wrong. I think it's a really close game again. I think Oregon State wins at 27-24, so I'll take Arizona State in the points, but the Beavers win. Yeah, I agree with you. I this is a this is a tricky spot. Jonathan Smith even touched on it yesterday when you were talking to him how just Northwest teams in general have had a hard time going down to Arizona State and winning. Now, the thing is Oregon State 8 and 2 against the spread this year. So they have been great in that sense, but I agree with you. 8 points too much on the road. I think Oregon State wins the game, but it's going to be very close. Yeah, it's unanimous, guys, for both the reasons that you guys laid out. I expect Oregon State to win this game. It's going to be a tight one, though. Tight game, I think, uh, going down the stretch. Let's go to the big game. I mentioned it. Joe Starkey will be on the final play-by-play call for the Golden Bears. Legendary broadcaster. The band is on the field. Um, I love home favorites in the Pac-12. The Bears are a home favorite against a bad Stanford team. The Bears are not much better, but they're favored by five at home. I think they cover. I think it's like 27-20. Cal beats Stanford in the big game. Oh, this is just a gross game. Um, I, I'm going to take Stanford and the points. Why not? I think both teams are really bad, so you're going to give me any type of points 
Uh, is Cal should Cal be favored by anybody that many points? I don't know. So I'm going to take Stanford in the points. I think Cal probably wins in a close one, but I, I'll take points. You're taking the points. I'm going to agree with John. Uh, I mean, really, there are no winners in this game. But look, when when a team makes a move, you know, with Musgrave going, you always see that little bit of a bounce back, at least for one week. Even Colorado won a game. I think Cal uh, comes out and scores at least a few points, and they cover. USC UCLA big rivalry game. Uh, look, I've long, I believe for a few weeks now that UCLA was the better team. More complete on both sides of the ball and better. Last week, though, they trip as a double-digit favorite against Arizona. I couldn't believe it. Everybody was going, hey, they're not a playoff team, and they're going, yes, we are. Go prove it on the field, and they lose the game. So that one gave me some pause. I've been wrestling with this game for several days, but I think UCLA gets it back together in time for kickoff. I, I'm looking at the biggest injury in this game being Travis Dye, the Trojans running back. That hurts USC's offense. The Bruins are at home where they've mostly been good. USC's the favorite in this game. I love UCLA and the two and a half points. I think UCLA wins the game. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think the Travis Dye injury is huge for USC. I know they got you know very talented guys behind him, but he has been really good in that offense and really helped that offense go all season long. Uh, so I think UCLA they get it done. And you know Peter talked about you know Washington State maybe lulling a little bit last week. I think I think same thing with UCLA. I think they came out slow, uh, slow against Arizona, just couldn't get their feet. Getting ready, maybe look ahead spot there against this USC team, which is a game you know Chip Kelly wants to win and be the king of LA. Not only that, but knock out USC the playoff picture. I think USA wins uh, on the field. Yeah, I mean, I I certainly agree with that. Against Arizona, it was a lull. They're looking to bounce back. I don't know if I like UCLA outright, but you give me two and a half points. I'm taking the Bruins. Let's move on to the next game. It is Colorado at Washington Saturday night, six o'clock, Pac-12 networks. Huskies are sky high. They beat Oregon last week. Can there be a letdown? Will there be a letdown? Maybe. Will it be enough to give Colorado some hope of winning? No, it's not. Colorado can't win this game, but they can score 17 to 21 points against that Washington defense. I don't think Washington is going to try to run the score up. We didn't talk about this, but Lincoln Riley last weekend, what did he do? He ran a fake extra point for a two-point conversion against Colorado. He acted at the end of the Colorado game like there was some kind of urgency to get 50-plus points in the game. I thought it was kind of despicable by USC. There won't be any posturing by Washington. They're not, they're not trying to position themselves for the playoff committee. So I think Washington, who is a 31-point favorite, will score about 45 in this game. I think Colorado can get to 20. For that reason, I'll take Colorado in the 31 points. I think Washington wins easy, but Colorado in 31 is the play. Colorado's had a brutal stretch. I took Colorado plus the points against Oregon, didn't cover. Took them plus the points against USC, didn't cover. John, I'm just going to take them again. They got to cover at some point, right? <laughs> they got to they got to cover at some point. So I'll take Colorado plus the 31. Washington gets the dub, but come on, Colorado, do do me a favor here. Yeah, it is. yeah, I, I I expect them to cover as well. I think Washington, look, in theory, you would call this a trap game, but Colorado has no chance. So I'll say a letdown looks something like 42 to 17. All right, let's move on. Uh, finally, the game of the week, Utah at Oregon, Saturday at 730. You guys are going to go first on this one. Yeah. Uh, tell me what you think. Utah's a two-point favorite now. Oregon was a two to two-and-a-half point favorite. The line has flipped after Chris Hudson said that it's probably going to be Ty Thompson. How do you guys see Utah at Oregon on Saturday night? My mind flipped with the line, and I liked Oregon going into the week if Bo Nix plays, but if Bo Nix doesn't play, and based on what Chris Hudson said, 
I think it's damaging what he said. I think it's Ty Thompson. I don't see Oregon beating Utah. I, I compare it to, and I know Utah doesn't have the defensive abilities, and Whittingham's not the best, you know, not like the defensive genius, but it's kind of like a rookie quarterback going against a Bill Belichick team. You don't want to go against Kyle Whittingham when you're a young quarterback in this big spot. I'm taking Utah minus the points if Bo Nix is in play. I'm really interested to see uh, what Dane Lanning says later on today on the show. But uh, without Bo Nix, I don't think Oregon stands a chance against Utah. I'm going to take Utah uh, minus the points. I agree that Utah, or excuse me, Oregon does not stand a chance without Bo Nix, but I propose this is all an elaborate ruse. This is the Mm. gamesmanship that we were talking about earlier this week on this show. Bo Nix was literally hopping up and down on the sideline trying to get back in that game. I think he's going to play. I think Oregon is going to win. Oh, boy. Gamesmanship. Here we go. Dan Lanning will be with us at 4.15 an hour from now. Uh, it comes down to Bo Nix. Like, if Bo Nix plays in this game and you're giving me two points in Oregon's at home, I'm taking it all day long. But I also think that Ty Thompson at quarterback, it's not the end of the world, guys. I think Oregon Oregon has the number eight rushing attack in the country. They can run the football, and I've seen Utah up close three times this year. Utah's defense, not as good as last year's Utah defense. I think Oregon can have some success running the ball. The question is, can they hold Utah under 35 points in this game? Because I think 35 is the ceiling for Oregon's offense with Ty Thompson at quarterback. I think they can still run the ball. I think Thompson can still make some plays. But can you hold Utah under 35? This is a Utah team that got 43 on USC, a Utah team that's proved it could score against UCLA. I'm going to do the unthinkable here. I'm going to take Oregon in the two because I'm betting that Ty Thompson in that run game will keep Oregon close. I actually am picking Oregon to win this game. Am I a homer? 35-34 Ducks at Autzen Stadium. The home field is your friend. I think Oregon wins the game. It would be wild if Oregon were to lose again because that would be two straight home losses after 23 straight wins. That is one thing that worries me, but I, I disagree with you, John. I think with that, if Bo Nix doesn't play and Ty Thompson's in the quarterback, I just cannot trust that right now against a Utah team who, what we've talked about, has been building up, better. Yeah, been building up better. for this moment. Right, like Guys are getting healthy. They've been you know resting players for this game. I think Utah's going to be ready to play. Bo Nix needs to play for the Ducks to win. We will see. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to talk about the UC Regents. They weighed in, kind of, on the UCLA to the Big Ten front. I'll tell you what it means next. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. So I thought we were going to get some resolution today. Maybe you did, too, on the UC Regents front. They met in San Francisco. Let me tell you, if you haven't sat in on a UC Regents meeting, you haven't lived. Not a whole bunch of excitement going on there. But they began the uh, they began the the little uh, you know ceremony today. The Regents did uh, with an announcement that they were punting the decision on UCLA's uh, proposed move to the Big Ten Conference. They're punting it to mid December. Uh, very disappointing development. Uh, I don't know if uh, you were tuned into this, but I sure was. I listened to Gene Block, the UCLA chancellor, try to tell people that, you know, hey, this is a very painful decision and the well-being of student-athletes was considered, but ultimately this is what's best for UCLA. 
I watched Martin Jarmon, the UCLA athletic director, mostly nod and whisper in the ear of his university chancellor. I listened to uh, Carol Christ, the uh, the uh, chancellor or the president at UC Berkeley. She said that she does not believe that the uh, that the consolidation of college football is healthy for the college athletics ecosystem. She said that it's going to hurt Olympic sports, and uh, it's going to hurt. Uh, the uh, women's sports as well. So I thought it was a really interesting meeting. Uh, had some interesting questions. You can kind of see that the regents are coming at this from all different angles. I still don't know if the regents have the authority to block UCLA. I still don't know the governor of California, what role he will play in this decision ultimately. But the fact that the regents punted this tells me that there's more ball to play on that front. Keep an eye on it. It may be that they punted because they want to see some media rights numbers from the Pac-12. Um, you know, they, it may be something else. Guys, do you have any takeaways on UCLA's potential defection and the fact that we got to wait another month? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't paying attention to the meeting. I was waiting just for the results. And uh, that was my my question for you is going to be with this result of them punting it and making it, you know, making us wait another month. Does that give it more of a chance that UCLA could stay or less of a chance in your mind that UCLA would stay in the Pac-12? I don't know. <laughs> That's the <laughs> ultimate. Like, I, I was really interested to see, like, it feels to me like it's not a done deal. At the same time, I just kind of wonder about the authority of the regents. Like, it did come up multiple times that they sort of had deferred decisions like this to the individual campuses, but I don't think anybody believed that they were deferring, like, you know, landscape-shifting decisions to the individual presidents and chancellors and campuses. And it's clear that UC Berkeley is not happy about this. And so I think, you know, the UC regents have, uh, you know, they got a fight on their hands internally. And then the governor of California, I looked at the individual regents. You know, he points to the regents. So it's ultimately going to come down to what Governor Gavin Newsom thinks. And I think he's a little bit upset at UCLA. So will he, will he then decide that he's not going to uh, he's not going to allow this to happen like uh, and what authority does he have to do that and then frankly if they do stop UCLA from going to the Big 10 I expect the Big 10 to sue UCLA or the Regents so if they do allow him to go I I wonder if Cal a UC member can sue the UC system and what about the other Pac-12 schools what about the other nine remaining Pac-12 schools outside of UC Berkeley. Do they have damages here? Would they dare sue UCLA and USC for leaving the Pac-12? I kind of wonder. Like, you know, I'm not a legal expert, but I wonder, like I've had people tell me that, yes, the UC system could sue itself. I've had other people go, no, they would never sue themselves. I've had lawyers reach out to me and say, you know, who has the damages? The bondholders of the UC system. They would sue UCLA, or they would sue the the Big Ten Conference and say, "Look, you you uh, diminished our credit rating by taking away an asset here that was part of the system that we're invested in." I don't know. I'm not a legal expert. I would like to get back to talking about sports, but the Regents punted this to December 14th. And, so and keep I, an eye on that. And I'm a way less expert than you are, but what it seems like to me and what it feels like is when you know when you're watching sports and there's a challenge on the play. And it's taking longer than usual. Like, you have that sense that something is changing or they're going to reverse the call. Like, that's the sense I get from this is, like, the more they kick it down the road, the more there's a chance I think that UCLA is coming back. And I have no idea. But, like, that's what I keep going back to is, like, 
Maybe there is a chance that UCLA is back in the Pac-12. You know what they should do? They should have Pac-12 officials decide. <laughs> Put it, leave it to the Pac-12 referees. No, because then uh, they'd send like Washington to the Big Ten also. After further review, <laughs> we have decided that Colorado should leave because <laughs> they're not pulling their weight. <laughs> they're not pulling their weight. Yeah, Colorado, uh, you're going to the Mountain West. You're yeah, out. We'll see what happens here. Uh, John Wilner and I are going to do a podcast on the issue tonight. If you already subscribed to the Gonzano and Wilner podcast, you can get it, and we'll play a little bit of it on tomorrow's show. Uh, right now, guys, uh, the Bald Face Truth Foundation is auctioning off some Blazers courtside seats. If you go to baldfacetruth.org, you can see the auction right there on the homepage. If you're on your phone, you want to go to baldfacetruth.org, you can now see the Blazers courtside seat auction. It's two Trailblazers courtside seats for the game against the Brooklyn Nets tonight. It includes parking, so you're sliding into uh, the VIP garage. You're sliding into the courtside entrance. You're sliding into courtside seats. Forget Taylor Swift tickets. This is the hot ticket if you're a sports fan. And if you're interested in checking out that auction, you can go to baldfacetruth.org. Note the .org extension. If you go to baldfacetruth.com, you're going to get my columns. No free tickets there. But you can uh, go to baldfacetruth.org. You can view the auction. Or you can go to my Twitter account, at John Canzano BFT. I've tweeted out a link. Or uh, the Baldface Truth Foundation's Twitter, at BFT Foundation. That auction closes in 33 minutes. So you're, you know you get some you get some advantages by being here now, but those uh, two seats right now, uh, the uh, the bid on that is 900 bucks for two seats. That is well below market value. If you are a Blazer fan, grab those, go to the game, make it a special occasion, and feel good about going because essentially uh, the thousand uh, dollars or so that you'll spend is going to help send multiple classrooms on field trips and provide books for libraries or an after-school program or pay for somebody to get some tutoring. Uh, Baldfacetruth.org to see that auction item. And I don't know if you've ever sat courtside. I never have, but I've walked by the people who are sitting courtside, and they're all smiling. They're all smiling, and they look happy. So maybe you go to the game, maybe you have a good time. Coming up, Kelly Graves, University of Oregon women's basketball coach. He is next. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. The Bald-Faced Truth Foundation helps kids in art, music, education, and athletics. We put athletics last. Doesn't mean it has to be. But we wanted people to know, hey, we uh, value sort of the co-curricular activities. If you're interested in the Blazers courtside seats, we have a pair of courtside seats to tonight's Blazers-Brooklyn Nets game. Uh, they include parking. You can go to baldfacetruth.org if you want to bid on those. 28 minutes left in that auction. It's just a little mini auction. We had a donor who said, hey, I'm not going to use these tickets. Love for you to auction them off. If you want those seats, you want to sit courtside, Get after it, baldfacetruth.org. Kelly Graves joining us. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I hope those seats are next to me. I'm actually up here in Portland right now. I'm going to head to the game tonight. Wow, you could have stopped by the home studio. We could have had you over, well, kicked your feet up. You know, yeah, next time. That two bald guys uh, getting it done <laughs> in the studio. I don't know, big guy. <laughs> I, I'm better on the phone. All right, all right, all right. Hey, you got you got your basketball season going. Let's talk about your team. I feel like I'm I'm playing catch up here because you guys have been practicing, start to play games. How are you feeling about this team? 
really like them. Yeah, we've had a good start, three and zero. You know, a couple of you know at least one Power Five team. We opened with Northwestern at home, but I I just like this group. They're very unselfish. Our assist, um, you know, ratio is really high. Uh, and, uh, you know, we just, we've got some really talented freshmen, a couple of experienced guards. Uh, we've kind of had, uh, I think right now through three games, we have 10 or six players averaging double figures or more. So it's kind of been by committee, but, uh, but yeah, I like them. We're play, playing both ends of the floor too, John. So that's, uh, something we've never been accused of playing at much of the defensive end, but, uh, it's good to see we're getting after it at that end too. You know the offense sells tickets. We all know that. That uh, you know, and it probably helps you helps you recruit a little bit. But uh, when you are in the early part of the season, like you mentioned, you you know you start three and zero. But I like what you pointed out. You're looking at your assist ratio to buckets. You want to see what your team's doing. What other things do you look at as a coach as markers of you know? Hey, we're moving in the right direction at this point. A couple of things I look for when I after a game. The first thing I look at is field goal percentage. Uh, you know, that's the number one determinant of winner, winning and losing is field goal percentage. I always look at the turnovers, uh, you know, the rebound numbers. Uh, we've been really good points in the paint. I mean, in our opener against Northwest, we have 56 points in the paint. My goodness, uh, that's a bundle. So, yeah, we've just kind of – it's been well-rounded. Uh, that, that's what I like about it. You know, we're, we haven't shot it really well yet. Uh, you, you know, even though we've made a bunch of threes, we just haven't really stroked it there. But we've got good inside-outside balance. Uh, we're scoring off turnovers. Uh, I, I think we're, we're we're trending in the right direction. There's no question about it. And these guys are ballers, John. They they love to play. They love to play for each other. It's a, a different vibe if you've seen us in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I noticed you got Sabrina in the fold as sort of the, uh, what is it, deputy of culture or commissioner of culture? <laughs> director like... of athletic culture. I mean, come on, her first job outside of the WNBA is a director position, for crying out loud. Uh, you know, it was, her, it was her idea. She wanted to give back to the program, be part of it. So uh, Lisa Peterson, before she left as our SWA, uh, got, it, uh, got it pushed through uh, HR. And, uh, and now Sabrina's on the staff. What, what, is, what will she do? Or is it just more about she knows what the culture's supposed to be, she needs to play a role in helping build it and continue and foster it? Mainly she's, she's there to be a mentor for our players, uh, you know, available uh, to FaceTime, to Zoom. Uh, you know, they go through things that she's already been through and continues to be to, to go through. And so she'll just be, I think, a, a great resource in that area. Plus, let's face it, it gives us some credibility knowing that, you know, Sabrina is part of this crew. Our fans know that. They love that. The recruits know that. They love that. And uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's a win-win. Yeah, she's really busy this, this time of year. It's funny how, how many people uh, either texted me or tweeted at me or whatever saying, does that mean she's quitting the WNBA? <laughs> it's like, you know, no, she's still going to be playing. But, uh, but she'll be with us in, a, in a kind of a limited role for now. I, I mean, I like it. And you get her in the fold. It doesn't hurt in, you know, in today's college world. I think everybody's looking for an angle, and it's an angle that you should, that you should chase after. Do you think she's got a coaching future? Does, does she have that, or is she going to make so much money that coaching's not going to be in, in uh, something she's interested in? No, I think she wants to be a coach. In fact, during the recruiting process, you know, one of our uh, competitors was Cal, and they kept pushing the Cal degree, a 40-year degree, the number one 
one public institution in the world and yada, yada, yada. They were barking up the wrong tree. Sabrina wanted to, to play pro and then wanted to become a coach and run her own camps and do those kind of things. And, and so, you know, we understood that. They didn't. And, uh, and the, you know, the great academic tradition didn't, uh, didn't sell to her. Not that Sabrina wasn't a great student. Graduated in three years and got a master's degree in her fourth year. That's pretty smart. So, you know, she just, as a, as a future, wasn't really looking uh, for the, the name on the degree. Yeah, Kelly Graves is with us. Um, uh, you, you obviously, I saw some news about uh, Sedona Prince. What is the update on her? Is 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 the elbow injury? That's is that going to end her career? It'll end her college career. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was going to be a five month rehabilitation. Uh, she just didn't really want to do that here. Yeah. Uh, when she's she's moving in the process of moving to L.A., where she can be near the really the foremost elbow expert doctor and, and, and she can rehab there and turn her sights on, on playing pro. Uh, so that's what she's decided to do. I think she leaves Eugene any day. Uh, we're going to miss her. I love Sedona, she, you know, just like a daughter. Uh, she's really close to my family. Uh, but I think she's making the right decision, you know, even though it was a tough one. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I had a high school senior, junior, senior that kind of went through the pandemic and then went off to college. And, and I really lamented the loss of her junior, senior year. You had players who went through that. They didn't get a normal experience, you know, you know, save, you know, Sabrina's season got, got interrupted at the end. But you had entire seasons that were affected by that. And now we're back to normal. But I look at a player like Sedona and I go, gosh, she, she kind of went through some stuff in her time. She did. You know, she was pulled in so many directions, John. I mean, it was crazy what she has on her plate. The level of endorsements and sponsors and, uh, you know, everything she does. I mean, my goodness, she has 3.5 million followers on TikTok. I mean, that's like Justin Bieber, for crying out loud. And <laughs> and, uh, and so everything she does is is uh, dissected and, and argued over. And, you know, and, and sometimes she didn't make always the best decisions on, on TikTok. Uh, but she's been a great representative of the university of our program. Uh, and you know, listen, she's helped make change. And isn't that what you want from your, your student athletes? I mean, she came out with that video, uh, during the pandemic, uh, during the bubble in the yeah. NCAA tournament and look at the changes now. Now our tournament is called, you know, March madness and, and, you know, things are, are pretty much even now across the board. So she helped drive that. And uh, and so she'll always be remembered for that. You guys uh, will be playing uh, coming up. You'll be playing uh, University of North Carolina uh, in a game coming up next week. And uh, that's a lot of anticipation about that. Um, how excited is your team about playing in that event? Well, we haven't really talked about it yet. I mean, we still have one more game on Monday night at home against Southern Utah. But, yeah, then it gets real. I mean, North Carolina is really good, a top ten program. I've got watching them on film and, and they're really good, but we haven't really talked about the, the, the PKI, uh, but what a fantastic event. I mean, I, I'm sure you've talked about it a lot, but, uh, eight women's teams among the, all the, the, among the best in the country and 16 men's teams. I mean, if you're a basketball junkie and you're not in Portland next weekend, then you're kind of nuts. Uh, but yeah, we, we're going to have our work cut out for us. There's no question. It gets real. How's this? So we got North Carolina. Then we play the winner or loser of Michigan State, Iowa State, both great programs. Then we have Portland at home, a very good program. And then we have Oregon State uh, right after finals. 
we moved one of the games into December uh, per the Pac-12 recommendation, and then uh, you know a couple more home games, and then we go to San Diego for Arkansas and probably Ohio State. So the month, the last week of November and the entire month of uh, December, it's it's a gauntlet for the Ducks. All right, UCLA talking about leaving USC, leaving the conference. I'm a purist. I don't like it. But the Regents met today. They punted to next month. Do you have feelings about – let me just talk to you about the recruiting element of this because today it was mentioned the uh, you know the, the Cal Berkeley president said, look, um, this may not be good for women's athletics. It may not be good for the Olympic sports. A lot of people talking about the travel. How do you think it, it affects recruiting? If UCLA is recruiting women's basketball players, you know, how is their recruiting calculus change if they're in the Big Ten? Oh, I think it's already hurting them a little bit. Um, you know, uh, let's say, you know, certain really good players along the West Coast that might be interested in UCLA, one of the things that people are using against them, and I know in at least one case it has cost them a recruit. They're saying, hey, half their games are going to be three time zones away. You know, your family's not going to be able to get there uh, as often. And that makes a difference. Um, you know, they're still UCLA and they're still going to be able to do, you know, great recruiting. But, but I think, um, little by little people will chip away at that. And I think it, it might hurt them in the long run. Uh, you know, if, if you're talking to Kelly Graves, a women's basketball coach or Kelly Graves, the person I can give you my, which, which do you want right I now? I want them both. Give yeah. My, give, give me the person. Both. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, you know, listen, I think you and I have talked about this. I just wish football would do their thing. It's all football based, right? I mean, I know a half a dozen coaches at UCLA and USC and in other sports, and none of them are happy about the move. Uh, you know, it's one thing if you have four or five uh, football games that you have to travel cross-country for, but uh, to do it every week or every other week in the other sports, and my guess is they're not going uh, to fly, fly charters with the lacrosse team and other kind of teams. You know, it's, it's going to take its toll. We just got back. Uh, we played Monday night at Southern down in Baton Rouge. We, we went down on Sunday, came back Tuesday morning. That's a tough trip, you know, and that's just two time zones away. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I wish they would stay. I'm like you. I'm a purist. I love the Pac-12 the way it is. I think most of the other sports other than football want to stay, and maybe even football does too. I don't know. I've never talked to Chip about it. Uh, but in the end, I don't worry about it too much because guess what, John? They're not asking me my opinion. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, I, I'll, I'll play whoever they tell me to play. Uh, but but Kelly Graves speaking here, I hate to refer to myself in the third por- person, but um, yeah, I, I I don't like it. I, I saw, <laughs> you know, I ran into some of the soccer men's soccer players in, in a hotel in Seattle and I asked them and one kid went on the record and said, you know, hey, I don't like it. We just played at Rutgers. It was six hours on a plane. He goes, we're students. Yep. Like, this isn't good for us. And I just wondered, will they have to recruit kids from different parts of the country? Like, will they have to go recruit the Midwest? And is there as much talent in the Midwest in women's college basketball as there is in the Pacific time zone? You tell me. Well, there is, actually. But but then again, you, you then you bring in the other elements. You know, now you've got student athletes that are far away from home, and 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 that you know presents its own issues. I've I've struggled with that. You know, with some of our players that have been a long way from home. Um, and, you know, I listen. I I, uh, I I don't know what the right answer is. Uh, it's it's a new time. People always ask me what's going to happen to Oregon, and I really have no idea. And, you know, I used to ask you every week or so during the summer when it first came down, I'd text you and say, hey, what have you heard? 
uh, because I figure you've got your ear to the ground and you know enough people to, to know what's going on. But I've kind of stopped worrying about it, quite frankly, since about August. Yeah, I don't think you can. There's not much you can do about it. And I keep – like the UCLA people are mad at me. They're going, hey, why do you, why are you trying to uh, not let us leave? And I go, I'm not doing that. I just want to know how your kids feel about it. Like, let me talk to some of them. They won't do it. They won't let their kids come on this radio show. But, see, John, that's the, that's the issue. That's the deal. They're not asking the student-athletes. You know, and that's what I really like about the University of Oregon. If you spend some time with Rob Mullins or any of our administration, the student-athlete uh, athletic experience is really critical to them. That, that is, to, to our core, one of our, our major assets, I think, or um, uh, core values. And, uh, you know, and I'm not sure maybe that all the schools are thinking in terms of, of that. Yeah, I don't think they are. I don't think they want to know. I think they want the appearance that they've asked the athletes, but if they really wanted to get to them, they, you know, they had put out their survey. It was 600 people they surveyed. They sent an email to the students. They got 111 responses. You know, give it, give it, text it to the kids. Have their coaches yeah, say, they, hey. They don't yeah. do email anymore. <laughs> yeah, right? they email. Put it on MySpace. Is that what they were doing? Like, So it was like, <laughs> I think in the end, like, if you, you know, if you said to the head coaches in the respective sports, hey, make sure your kids fill out the survey, every kid would fill out that survey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give them some money. Give them $25 duck yeah. bucks or something. They'll Send them to Chipotle. Yeah. Come on. There or Chip- Chipotle. Yeah. Hey, have fun a at the staple, game tonight. By the way, on the road. Yeah. An absolute <laughs> staple. When you're either recruiting on the road or you got your team on the road, there's always at least one Chipotle stop. Or, or Jamba. Do you ever take your team to Jamba Juice? We do, yeah. We get yeah. we do the old smoothies after every shoot around. So on game See? day, you know, you usually have an eleven or twelve shoot around, but pregame meal not might not be until two thirty or three. And so, yeah, we always we always do jambas or something like that uh, delivered to the arena. Yeah, team building. All right, hey, good luck to you guys. Uh, we'll catch up Appreciate with you it. here. I love having you on. I just want people to know what's going on with your program, and uh, we'll uh, have fun at the game tonight. I, I appreciate it. I feel like the remains, man. I'm I'm playing the warm-up to, to uh, Coach Lanny. Today. Yeah. I'm, yeah. The, I'm the warm-up man for the big hey, dog, for hey. the Beatles coming in. How come nobody will say who's hurt anymore? What is that about? You guys, all you coaches, uh, nobody will tell us who's hurt. Uh, well, <laughs> I just want <laughs> to tell you, hey, don't lump me in with everything, okay? <laughs> But I get it. I, I absolutely get it. In this day and age, there's so much preparation for games that any little advantage will help. So, I know. Anyway, and you know what? Great. If I were, if I were yeah. a coach, I'm not, I'm not telling anybody anything. Absolutely. <laughs> That's it. Hey, well, great, great being with you. Yeah, right. hopefully I'll see some Duck fans at the game tonight. Have them come down and say hello. Kelly Graves, there he is, Oregon women's basketball coach. Leave it here. You got the BFT. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. It's your last chance to get on in on the Blazers courtside tickets that are being auctioned off right now at baldfacetruth.org. Six minutes left in that auction online. Grab them. There are two courtside seats and uh, VIP parking. If you want to go to tonight's Blazers-Brooklyn Nets game, you want to help kids of the Bald Face Truth Foundation, get online, go to baldfacetruth.org. That's bald-faced, 
thetruth.org, or go to my Twitter account, at John Canzano BFT, or the BFT Foundation's Twitter account, at BFT Foundation. Uh, place a bid, and uh, about five minutes left in that auction. Kelly Graves really strong in his appearance on this show. Coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, it'll be Dan Lanning, University of Oregon football coach. I will ask him the question. The question is, who's going to start at quarterback? What is going on with Bo Nix? Bo Nix. I said Nix. Is that Freudian? Is he Nix for the game? We'll find out from Dan Lanning coming up. What will he say, guys? What is his? What is he going to say? Give us your coach, your best coach speak. Uh, you know, he's, I don't know. That's tough. How is All right, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. Basically, you don't want to give away yeah. who's going to play. Steven, let's see if you're worth a damn as a head coach. <laughs> Steven, is Bo Nix going to play on Saturday? I, 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 I can't do it. I'm not a coach. Oh. I can't think of what Peter. I would say. Peter, yeah, Peter is Bo Nix going to play? Talk to my offensive coordinator, Peter, over there. Yeah, well, you know, Bo's had a great season, integral part of the offense, and I've seen some things I've liked. I'm feeling optimistic, we, but uh, we just don't quite know yet. There are some things we need to see. Some people outside of my control need to sort of clear them. Uh, but we're, we're feeling optimistic, and it's all about what we can control, and we'll find out on Saturday if that's something that's in our control. But otherwise, we're just going to keep on doing what we do, and that's focusing on winning this football game. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I would go, I'll go even simpler. I, I would try to use fewer words because I don't want a bunch of, uh, I'm, I'd be afraid if I started trying to do what you did that I would talk myself in a hole. So I'm just going to say this. We, we, uh, we would ideally like to have Bo Nix starting at quarterback, and he's working towards starting. That's what he said last night. Working towards starting in practice. Uh, if he's not ready and he's not cleared, we've got a contingency plan that we feel good about. That's it. Boom. That's good. Mic drop. That's all I'm doing. Let's see what Dan Lanning does at 4.15. And here's the other thing. like, I, I'm in a weird position because it's just like I told Kyle Whittingham yesterday. I, on one hand, think... You know, I need to ask this question. Jonathan Smith, hey, are you healthy? Is anybody out this week? Um, you know, I know of at least one Oregon State player who is not going to start this week. One starter who is out, maybe two. So I think Oregon State's going to be shorthanded. But Jonathan Smith's never going to say that. And so, you know, when I ask Kyle Whittingham, you know, how is Cam Rising doing? I don't expect Kyle Whittingham necessarily to be like, you know what, uh, Cam Rising. Cam Rising's going to be good to go. We're golden. I don't necessarily think, you know, that that's what we're going to get. But, you know, Josh Furlong's coming up 4 o'clock, just a few minutes, to talk about, uh, you know, the Utah football program. On the heels of that, Dan Lanning will join us at 4.15. So if you're interested in this Utah-Oregon game, we're going to give you, like, 30 minutes of the richest, best content that you can get on this game that's starting in like 90 seconds. So I would just encourage you to stick around here and hear Josh Furlong talk about Utah. Shortly after that, Dan Lanning will call into the show about 4.15, and we'll, we'll have a conversation about it. And, and then we will dissect it. So I want you here for it. I want you uh, to have a ringside seat. So, uh, you know, again, text your friends, call your neighbors, you know, DM your friends and say, hey, get to uh, that radio station. You're gonna, Dan Landing's coming up. We're going to find out what's going on. And, 
and listen carefully when he comes on because he may do what Chris Hudson did yesterday, tipped people off, and the line changed because of it. So let's figure out what's going on. I'll ask the questions, and and uh, we'll figure it out. But let's see where Dan Lanning's head is. Is the defense going to be any better this week? It has to be. And if you want those Blazer courtside tickets, we're now in the last minute of bidding. Get in there and grab them. Go to baldfacetruth.org and get those Blazer courtside tickets. They are up for grabs right now. You can go to the game tonight and sit courtside. All right, you got the BFT statewide on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. I'm glad you're here for it. We're going to start the 4 o'clock hour uh, running at a sprint towards that Oregon-Washington, or excuse me, Oregon-Utah game. Slipping up again. Where is my mind today? Leave it here. BFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with a bald faced truth. Utah will be at Autzen Stadium on Saturday night, 7.30 kickoff on ESPN. Josh Burlong is the sports director and beat reporter who covers Utah football in Salt Lake City. Josh, thanks for joining us. Uh, quick question right off the top. Kyle Whittingham's teams always seem to play better when he needs them to play better. What is his secret and how much better is this team right now? Yeah, I think it's, that's kind of a loaded question to some extent, right, in the sense that you, you obviously lose Brent Keithy, who's one of the, the, the best playmakers on the offensive side of the ball for Utah. Um, same vein, Utah's getting you know their guys that have been injured healthy, their offense is clicking. They're putting up at least 42 points every single game the last few games. And so from an offensive perspective, I think things are still kind of where they're at. They, they've, they've hit a stride where they, they're not having these stalled moments and um, they're to do well. For me, I think defensively, I think you have to look at it and say it's an improvement. Uh, in September, really, even October, and to some extent, uh, the defense really struggled to contain runs. Dual threat quarterbacks offered a, a real problem to Utah. Um, but you're starting to see them kind of take that, that progression, right, and being able to move forward. So I think Utah, by and large, is probably better than they were in September. Um, but I think it's it's different areas that has kind of waned over the over the course of the season. I know USC wants another shot at Utah, and and they're probably looking at that title game going. There, there's their opportunity to avenge. Who does Utah want to play if they get to the championship? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, obviously, like last year, you you beat Oregon twice, so I don't know if there's an appetite there to have Oregon back in the championship game if Utah gets there. Um, I think, you know, just the natural course of it is probably wanting uh, to get a rematch at UCLA. Uh, I just don't know if that's going to be feasible. I mean, there's, there's a lot that has to happen for UCLA to get into that championship game after they lost last week. So I think that's probably the one that Utah feels like uh, would be kind of more of a natural fit of, hey, we want to do it. But, look, if, if Utah really wants to make a statement, not that the playoffs are on the line or anything like that, uh, you know, getting a win over USC is always a, a good feeling for Utah. So I think in, in terms of pure, you know, quote-unquote rivalry that you want to kind of match up with, USC would, would be the team you'd want. But I think UCLA is probably the team that they would feel they'd match up better with um, and they could also get some quote-unquote revenge. Josh, uh, Cam Rising at quarterback, we saw, you know, he didn't play in the Washington State game. He seems to be back. How healthy is he? Yeah, I think, you know, he's, he's still got one of those uh, little sleeves on his, his uh, knee that, that kind of indicates that he's still kind of going through some things. But I think you're, you're starting to see him progress each week. Last week he ran the ball a little bit more. Uh, he seems uh, to be back in, in regular form. So I don't, I don't think there's anything necessarily hindering him unless there, there was a setback during practice. 
Um, but I, you know, I think I think Utah is going to be at full health with him. Uh, I don't think it's, it's an issue of, of him not being able to do things. But they've also kind of built in some new wrinkles into the offense to allow it so that they can maybe use a different uh, quarterback to, to get some designed run plays or different things that way. But, you know, I think, you know, when when they kick off on Saturday, Cam Rising is going to be healthy and, and he's going to still uh, be there for them and in, the, in the capacity that they need him to be. Now, was favored in this game by, you know, a point and a half, two points. Uh, I saw it creeping towards two and a half in some places, and then all of a sudden uh, we have Chris Hudson, wide receiver at Oregon, who who talks about the game and talks about Ty Thompson on yesterday about, you know, as if Bo Nix is not going to play. The line flips. Uh, we got a five-point swing here, Josh. I know you, you noticed it. Um, if Bo Nix can't go, how does that change Utah's defensive plan? I don't know if it necessarily changes it drastically, right? I mean, obviously, they're going to have to prepare for a different quarterback who there's not a lot of tape on. Um, but I think just the, the pure nature of what Bo is able to do kind of changes that dynamic of, of how Oregon is able to play. So I think there will be some things that, that Utah would have to kind of dial back or, or change up a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, it, go into it preparing for Bo Nix because I think that's the – that's the quote-unquote worst-case scenario for Utah, right? It is a mobile quarterback that can do a lot. It's proven it this year, especially with Oregon's offensive line. Uh, and then if you get somebody else, that's not to say, you know, Ty Thompson or anybody else that they could throw out there couldn't do it. Um, but I think that I think it changes you for the better to be able to say, okay, look, this is this is where we have to be to be at full capacity. And if something changes, we can dial it back or or modify it a little bit. So, you know, I think I think that's going to be the real interesting thing to see from Utah. How do they handle that? Um, is it a smoke screen? Is it is it you know reality? Uh, I think you know obviously Utah fans right now are are kind of I don't know if called loving it is the situation because you got a a segment of the fan base that. Uh, is is pessimistic and thinks this is a smokescreen, and <laughs> others that say, well, no, duh, they're going to play Bone. And, you know, I mean, it, it's just crazy. But I think either way, Utah's going to prepare for Bo, and, and whatever happens on Saturday, you know, come what may. Give me an idea. Tavion Thomas, you know, I know he, he had some family issues. He lost a key family member in his life. And, you know, there were parts of this season where people kind of wondered, would he be part of this team? And now he, last week, he comes back. He's very effective. Utah looked great running the ball. Is he back engaged now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you've seen a lot of him really trying to be a, a team-first mentality. And I don't want to say that he was, you know, solely focused on his own desires and his own dreams, but I think he kind of started to to believe in that a little bit, kind of thought that he was going to go into the season as this dynamic running back who was just going to dominate in the conference and, you know, the next trip was going to be the NFL and he's going to live his dream. Um, but then, you know, the adversity hit where his aunt died. She essentially raised him his whole life and, uh, that kind of put him in a in a rut. Uh, you know, he, there needed to be some account, accountability from him, and, and Kyle, you know, didn't let him play. You know, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, that sacrificed Utah's chances uh, to be able to win some games. But uh, I think it was it was a bigger message to send to him that it's like the team is above anybody else, right? Um, but I think that lately, you know, he's saying the right things. He's doing the right things. He's been much more active on social media, and I'm not saying that's good or bad. But on social media, he's you know he's saying the right things of trying to say like this is a team first mentality. Even after the game on Saturday, he you know he he deflected the, the praise for himself about how many yards he ran and the fact that he had more rushing yards than Stanford had total yards. I mean he he put that back on in the team and and you know said that this is just an effort to to help. So I think Utah's in a good spot with him right now. I think he's in a good spot right now. 
Um, and quite honestly, you get a refreshed and rejuvenated Tavion Thomas, which is, is great things for Utah if they can get that run game effective and, and opening up those holes like they've seen the last few weeks. So it's, it's good news for Utah, but, you know, there's, there's, always, there's always a chance that, that things could flip. But I think the way that he's been playing and the, and the, the mindset that he's been in right now, I think it's good news for Utah. I am a big fan of Andy Ludwig, the offensive coordinator. And what I saw early on was, you know, it was very tight and oriented a lot of th- the passing game was between the hashes, uh, screens to running backs and tight ends. And now we watch more of a running game last week, starting to use the outside receivers a little more, get outside the hashes. Um, it just feels like it's coming together for Utah. Like they, they are uh, they're a different matchup than they were, I think, when Oregon State played them earlier in the year. Yeah, I think there's there's an advantage to to what's happened for Utah, right? They've had they've been forced to kind of open up the playbook a little bit, uh, and, and really kind of try to find different playmakers that can work. They, they have a lot of guys that could always do it, but they relied on Brant Keithy. And, and, and obviously you don't want to see a, a season-ending injury to anybody. Um, but I think in a lot of ways it allowed Utah to be more diverse and allowed them to be more effective because, you know, Brant was always going to get his yards and he was always going to be effective that way. But this allowed Utah to really just kind of look at around look around them and say, okay, we've got talent here, we've got talent here, how do we exploit it? And, and quite honestly it helps, you know, the game tape for other teams. Like, they, they can't they can't scheme on just one guy or try to take him out. They've got enough scheme on a bunch of different guys. So, you know, you have to credit Andy Ludwig for what he's done this year. I mean, he's, he's been given a tall task to to really take a whole bunch of people that have been injured in and out, running back room that hasn't been consistent, wide receivers coming in and out and, and doing different things that way. And, and he's found a way to do it. I mean, he's put up 42 points the last few games. They, you know, they're hitting it at a, at a high rate. They went toe-to-toe with USC and, and found a way to come back and, and fight in a game that honestly probably shouldn't have gone Utah's way. Um, so, like, you have to really credit his ability. He's seen a lot. He's been around the block. This isn't his first time. So I think that, that comes with being a veteran playmaker and, uh, and and just being able to, to really look at your personnel and scheme towards it instead of forcing a scheme and, and forcing Utah players to kind of adjust to that. You know, I kind of am thinking that Oregon will play much in the same way they did in the wake of the Georgia loss. I like the response to that. I like that they came back. They're not at home. If this game's at Rice-Eccles, Utah wins it 10 out of 10 times. But this game being in Eugene, Oregon seemingly people riding them off. I'm curious to see how the Oregon defense comes back, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You will be there. Josh, uh, help me with this. If Oregon loses this game, I think it's it's it borders on devastating given that where they were you know, two weeks ago, thinking about a playoff, now suddenly relegated to an Alamo Bowl or a Holiday Bowl or worse. Like, you know, I think... It would be a bad uh, run here for the Ducks, or a bad finish to their season, kind of like last season. What would it? What would a loss to Utah mean? You know, it, it, it's funny because based on the preseason projections, I think a loss here would be disappointing, right? Like you came into the season, everybody expecting Utah to be the top of the conference. They were picked to win. You know, a lot of people saw them as a playoff contender. Um, but I think given, like, as people have kind of dialed it back, I think it, it still can be a success, right? And quite honestly, there's, there's still a, a chance that Utah could get to the Pac-12 championship by losing this game this week. So I don't think everything's off the table for them, and I don't think the season will necessarily be marred by that. Um, but it, it would definitely be a disappointment from where Utah thought they could be, um, especially if you end up, you know, in the Holiday Bowl or something like that where – the prestige of that compared to the, the the Rose Bowl is just drastically different, and you probably have a lot of guys leave early to be able to go prepare for the NFL draft or something. So it would definitely be a disappointment. I don't think it's the worst scenario. I mean, you know, finishing the season with nine wins is nothing to be, be upset about, but 
based on the expectations, I definitely think it would be something that uh, would hold Utah back and, and uh, be, be something that, that, you know, everybody in the program would be a little disappointed about. He's the sports director at KSL.com and a beat writer of Utah football, Utah basketball. Josh Furlong, I will see you in the press box on Saturday night. Sounds good, man. I look forward to it. Up next, University of Oregon football coach Dan Lanning. Who's going to start at quarterback for Oregon? I'll ask the question. Text your neighbors. Text your friends. Dan Lanning next. Hi, this is John Canzano. I have a question for you. Are you a business owner? Do you like free government money? If so, listen up. The federal government has promised more than $135 billion in tax refunds for small and medium-sized businesses that kept employees on payroll through COVID. Business owners are eligible for the employee retention credit even if they received PPP funds. RefundsPro.com specializes in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program to make it quick and easy. RefundsPro does all the heavy lifting and most of their refunds are more than $100,000. Couldn't you use that money right about now? There's no downside to apply and absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. RefundsPro.com has helped hundreds of businesses qualify. And the best part? You don't have to pay a penny back to the government. This is as close as it gets to free government money. There's a deadline, so visit RefundsPro.com to get started before it's too late. Once again, that's RefundsPro.com. The Dan Patrick Show. It's Ross Tucker, CBS Westwood One color analyst. Wait, you're all in on the Vikings? Absolutely. Okay. They're a top five team in the NFL. Are they better than Kansas City? No. Are they better than the Eagles? No. The Ravens? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably take them over the Ravens right now, yes. Are they better than the Niners? Yes. They're good. Okay. They're a good football team. I mean, they got two really good receivers. They got a stud running back. Cousins is playing well. Okay. Defense is much better than they were last year. They're good. Dan Patrick. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. On 750 The Game. Hey, it's John Canzano for First Call Heating and Cooling, your independent train dealer. Weather can be wild and unpredictable, but you know what shouldn't be unpredictable? The comfort of your home. Anna and I, we rely on First Call Heating and Cooling. We installed a train air conditioning and heating system, and we maintain that system using First Call Heating and Cooling. Whether it's hot outside or freezing cold, it doesn't really matter. Our home remains consistent and comfortable. Visit them online at firstcallheat.com. That's firstcallheat.com. It's hard to stop a train. CCB number 7262. North Portland's neighborhood sports bar, Satellite Tavern. Satellite Tavern welcomes all football fanatics. We open at 9 a.m. on Saturday and Sundays. Come have breakfast with us and watch your favorite college or pro team on one of our 24 big screens. Got a large group? No problem. We have a huge covered and heated patio to accommodate all the fun. Stop in for Monday Night Football for amazing food and beer specials. A newer tavern with an old-school Portland feel. SatelliteTavern.com. Ad paid for by the Sentinel Group. Attention Marines, military personnel, families, and contractors who were stationed at Camp Lejeune. Were you present at Camp Lejeune between August 1953 and December of 1987? You may be entitled to significant compensation. For nearly 34 years, those in the Marine Corps' base Camp Lejeune were exposed to contaminated drinking water, resulting in devastating injuries including several forms of cancer, adverse birth outcomes, Parkinson's disease, and more. North Carolina's procedural laws have prevented victims from getting the justice they deserve, but passage of the Camp Lejeune Justice Act of 2022 would allow you or a loved one to file lawsuits seeking compensation for illnesses and injuries linked to the toxic water. Call today for your free consultation. 800-774-7415. Letter 
our experienced attorneys fight to get you the compensation you deserve, and you pay nothing unless there's a recovery in your favor. Call 800-774-7415. That's 800-774-7415. Again, 800-774-7415. John Canzano here. Angela and her family were hungry. When life threw her a curveball and her income got temporarily cut, she was left scrambling, unable to pay for both rent and food. She did all of the right things. Applied for emergency benefits, asked friends and neighbors for help. Like a lot of families, Angela needed a little help to get her through. And Snowcap filled the gap by providing nutritious groceries. Angela didn't have to choose between eating and homelessness. For the last dozen years, Bess Wills at Gresham Ford has spearheaded a campaign. She's helping Snowcap raise support to assist families in temporary crisis. She wants to keep them from the tipping point that can lead to homelessness. As you can imagine, times are challenging. And over the last three months, Snowcap has seen a 50% increase in families needing assistance compared to this time last year. You want to help reduce homelessness? Go to GreshamFord.com help and support Snowcap. A $20 donation will help a lot. $50 will help a lot more. GreshamFord.com help. And thank you. Listen to 750 The Game anytime, anywhere on Odyssey. Odyssey is your new audio home for all the music, news, sports, and podcasts that matter to you. Find your favorite stations alike 750 The Game, plus today's biggest podcasts. Find it all on the Odyssey app. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Millions protect their homes from power outages with Generac Home Standby Generators. Would you like to be part of this lucrative industry? Generator Supercenter, the nation's number one Generac generator dealer, has limited franchise opportunities in your area. Learn more at GeneratorFranchise.com. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. University of Oregon will play Utah Saturday, 7.30, Autzen Stadium. Game's on ESPN. I I don't like that late game thing, and I and I don't especially like it when we're in November. Like, uh, And I don't know what the ideal time to kick off in your mind is if you're listening to this show, but I feel like every game, like if ideally we could, I, we could suit the game kickoffs for families, um, I uh, I think that we would kick off the games at, like, uh, no later than 4.30. Like, we would say, okay, you're going to have a 12.30, a 1 p.m., 2 p.m., 3.30, no later than 4.30. Uh, Dan Lanning is the coach at the University of Oregon. Uh, on tomorrow's show, you know, I'm really excited about a guest we have on tomorrow. We've got John Robinson, the legendary USC coach, former Oregon coach. Um, I, I talked to John Robinson today on the phone. He's 87 years old. He told me he still thinks he could be a head coach. I, I love his fire. He, was, uh, he went to school at Oregon. He got his first coaching job at Oregon. And did you know John Robinson's very first game as a head coach at USC, what happened? He got boat raced. He got beat bad by Missouri. And what happened to USC that year? They turned it around, and they went on and went to the Rose Bowl, won the Rose Bowl. I talked to John Robinson about that today, and he said, you tell Dan Lanning that story. Joining us now, Dan Lanning, Oregon coach. Did you hear me? John Robinson was sending a message. I like it. It's a good story, man. It's a good story. Thanks for having me, John. You bet. I asked him, I said, what, did, what happened after he – because he got beat bad by Missouri, and then he had to go into week mm-hmm. two. And I said, what did you tell your team? Because it was his first game as a head coach, and he said, he said I really – 
I told them that I had it all under control, and he goes, but down deep, I don't know if I did. And he goes, but I told them that. <laughs> and he said, he said it all worked out. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. There How you, you doing? Go. No doubt. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How you been today? I'm good. I'm drinking coffee. It's like four o'clock. Is that wise? Do you? What's your drink at about this hour? Yeah, coffee's good at all times. I have no qualms with coffee. Um, early or late, I think that's a good decision. How do you have your coffee? Uh, I'm drinking it black right now. <laughs> Nothing in it. Okay. Yeah. Is that all yeah, right? I think that's that. Yeah, it's classic. That's that's the way I generally have it myself. Hardcore. Uh, all right. Look, listen. Should we start with the question that everybody wants to know, or should I should I warm you up a little bit and then back into it? Were you, are you wondering what what we do for Thanksgiving at my house? What we <laughs> yeah. eat? Is that what you? Yeah. Is that the question or what's yeah. the thought? All right. How do you who who's in charge of the turkey? Let's start with that. So you're going to be disappointed. We don't always have a turkey every Thanksgiving. So <laughs> I'm I'm embarrassed to say that I don't I don't really do much on Thanksgiving. Right? I don't do much. I just I come home and I have high expectations, but little output on my end. Um, so I'm not in charge of the turkey, but when we have one, it's pretty good. It's that's up to Sophia. Mm-hmm. She sometimes she's kind of done this trend lately of getting a honey baked ham, yeah. which I'm I'm pretty excited about. I don't know if they have honey baked ham around here, but I'm yeah, sure they do. have ham. You do. Um, great. Yeah. So she normally does that. I don't know if she's done that yet. Um, hopeful, hopeful that one of those exists, and then she throws down usually one or two Cambodian dishes, which is mm. kind of cool and not normal, not your normal Thanksgiving dish. But okay, uh, I'm hopeful that she might pull some of those things out. All right, we have this in common because my wife is, was born in Taiwan, and I know that I we had a lot of traditions like Thanksgiving, Christmas. We had these traditions that I had in my head that everyone did, and then the first right. Thanksgiving came. And she was cooking seafood or something, and I was like, "What are we doing here? This is not what we yeah. do. We, you know, and on a stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a little bit different. That's it, awesome. It's good though. It, it's good to shake things up. Um, all right. So you you come out of the Washington game. I know you were disappointed. We we heard your news conference. I loved what you said after the game. I love that you pull your guys together. You're a unifier, aren't you? Yeah, you hope to be. I think that's your job as a coach, right? I think in times of adversity or when things don't go right, I think it's really easy and it's probably human nature for people to start saying, well, this didn't go right and this guy didn't do this and this guy didn't do that. And that's certainly never been my nature. You know, I think if you want to be able to have an impact for change, you have to acknowledge that you're part of the solution and part of the problem. And there's some things I did wrong in that game that we can do better. And um, I want to own it, right? I want my players to be able to own when they make a mistake. And how can you do that if you don't do that as a head coach? The, uh, the question of who's going to play quarterback for you, let's just start with the injury to Bo Nix. What was it? What happened? It looked like it was a helmet to the knee, or was it a Charlie horse? What kind of injury are we talking about? I don't want to be specific to that because I don't think I think that creates a competitive advantage to the opponent. Okay. Um, so we'll just say it wasn't uh, his pinky finger. You know, that's not what it is. So we can get people going to start crossing that out their list, but I don't want to go into you know what the, the injury is. All right, Chris Hudson. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. I and I, if I were in your position, see, here's the weird spot I'm in. If we switch spots, you're going to be asking me the same questions, and I'm going to be giving you the same answers because I wouldn't tell anybody anything. There's no way. Like, Nothing. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's a good lesson for me. I was about to tell you everything, and now I'm, I'm back up. I'm going right. to back, back up. Kyle Whittingham yesterday, I asked him. I said, you know, because he was the same way with Cam Rising a few weeks ago. Remember, you didn't even tell the TV crew yeah. that Rising was hurt, and he said, look, if everybody's going to do it, I'll do it. But he said, until we all do it, I don't understand why I would 
give anybody the advantage. Do you think coaches are more paranoid than normal people? We're certainly more paranoid. I mean, I've been part of games a lot of times where you have no idea who you're going to face, so what do you end up doing? You end up creating three different game plans, right? If it's this guy, it's this. And if it's this guy, it's this. And, um, yeah, we're certainly more paranoid. That's kind of the nature of the game. And uh, But I get it. I think that's our job too, right? Like, you, you don't want to give anybody a competitive advantage. How do you feel about your backups? Could, you know, game plan-wise, let's just hypothetical here. Let's say you got to go with somebody else that's not Bo Nix. How do you feel about that mm-hmm. group, that quarterback room? You, you, you hope that you have a strong enough program that year-round you do a good job of developing uh, players and talent and you understand what your players' strengths are year-round. And I do. I do feel like we have a good coaching staff. I feel like you have good players at multiple positions that if guys can't go, the next guy can step, uh, step up and we can play to their strengths. And I certainly feel like that at quarterback and, and uh, several other positions on our team. Defensively, uh, some of the breakdowns that you saw on film, is it – was it schematic stuff? Did you guys get caught playing a little too much zone, not being aggressive? Did you have guys that were running right by the assignment? What did you see on film defensively? Yeah, I mean, it's really a combination of both. You know, at times they had the right play versus us. At times we didn't execute the right uh, the right technique. You know, at times we didn't pressure the way we need to be able to pressure. And, you know, at times you have a free runner and we just got to make the play, you know, and uh, – so it's a combination of all those things. Uh, I think it's something you got to look hard at. You know, it's called the hard, dirty truth, the hard facts of things that we got to embrace that we can improve on. I, I go back and I listen to the show afterwards, and I, I mostly focus on the mistakes and not the things I do right. I'll look at this interview and I'll say, you know what, I should have asked him something different. But what do you focus on after a game? Are you more caught into what didn't work, what did work? Is there a danger in focusing only on what didn't work? Like, should you pay attention to the stuff that you guys did right and say, hey, that's something we can do, uh, I have a lot of confidence in? Yeah, so generally for us, we have a write-up that say things we did well, things we did poor, like literally exactly what you just said. And then, okay, preparation errors, right? All right, personnel errors that we use our people in the right way. Uh, critical penalties that affected us in the game. Um, all right, critical plays, gains of certain amounts of yards. Let's write up exactly what went wrong on the play. And if we did that play over again, how would we do it different? How would we put players in a different situation? So we, we try to be pretty detail-oriented of recognizing all. Um, I'd say it's probably my nature to focus on the things that didn't go right more than the things that did go right. And one thing I learned early on as, um, as a coach is you, you can walk away from wins too and feel like you lost sometimes when you really focus on just the negative. And that's something I never want to do. But I also want to know that I can always grow from every moment and every game. And just because you win, it doesn't mean all your problems are fixed. It just means maybe somebody didn't identify them. So um, that's what we try to be elite at is, is trying to figure out what went wrong and what could go wrong right in the future and you hope that you catch it before your opponent does the uh i was watching an interview the other day with uh norm mcdonald was interviewing drew barrymore and he Mm. asked her about her favorite movie and you know what she said she said planes trains and automobiles she said she thought it was the best movie ever made because the range of emotion it's you know it's john candy it's steve martin it's a john hughes film um it it, uh, you know, you, you have this, you think it's kind of a goofy movie, and then there's a serious moment in the middle of it. What do you think of that movie? Well, I'm going to have to get a refresher. It's been a while. I mean, I, I bet I was, um, you know, 15, 16 maybe when I watched yeah. that. It's been a long time. You're but, a young man. Uh, my recollection, it was, a, it was pretty good. Yeah, 1987. 
Yeah, I mean that was the so that was the year after I was born. So yeah. I'm not like super dialed in on that one, but mm. I'll I'll give it a I'll give it a, a twice over whenever the season's over. It's a. Uh, it, do you show movies during the year? Or do you show? Do you do like a? Uh, hey guys, we're gonna watch 15 minutes of this. It's a hype film or something like that for your guys. Never 15 minutes. No, that's we, our time's too valuable. We have this thing called the 20 hour rule in, in yeah. uh, college football, so that's limited. But we, every once in a while, we'll go to a movie when we have later night, you know, late later games, you know, so like, um, you know, kind of clear the air, spend some time with each other and fellowship, but uh, not generally a 15 minute clip. All right, give me an idea because you, you talk about the 20 hour rule. Um, I I heard that twice today. It came up in the UC Regents oh, yeah? meeting with UCLA and all that stuff going on. The 20-hour rule came up as far as the travel is concerned. How careful do you have to mm -hmm. be with the 20-hour rule with your athletes? Well, we count every minute. Yeah, we count every minute of practice. And if you add something um, from a, a time, a required time standpoint for your players, that means you have to subtract something else. So, you know, really within a week, you're allowed 20 hours to spend with your players. And that's what limits you at times from a game plan standpoint, certainly a difference in uh, the NFL and certain uh, other other levels is how much time you get to spend with your players. So it really doesn't matter what the coaches know, right? It's about what the players know and what they can execute. So uh, Dan Lanning's going to play zero plays for the Oregon Ducks this year. So it doesn't matter if I understand, hey, when the tight end's in this location, this is the play you're going to get. It's about can you use that 20 hours and get that information to your players um, during that time. Utah, I've seen them three times in person. They've looked different each time. They're starting offensively. They're playing outside the hashes a little more with their pass game. They were really tight end oriented early on. They had an injury. Now Tavion Thomas is back. They ran the ball last week. How do you scout a team like that? They're tough. You know, they're obviously extremely well coached. I don't think there's uh, any coach in our league that, that people respect more than uh, Coach Whittingham. But ultimately, they play with a brand of physicality. Their quarterback plays at a really high level. They have good weapons outside, but they, they – you know, they run tough. You know, uh, Tavion's always falling forward. Um, their offense, you know, it has answers. They're able to add a lot of hats um, to locations. You want to make sure that your gaps sound. So they're, they're certainly a tough team to prepare for. Do uh, you guys offensively have run the ball well? And I have to think that is a comfort no matter who is at the quarterback position for you guys. What the key to the run game for you guys, is it just is it as simple as the offensive line or what's going on schematically or with the backs? Yeah, I think it's a combination. You know, we, we, we have a great offensive line. I don't think that's any secret. They've been coached really well. Coach Clem's done a phenomenal job coaching those guys. Um, and then we've, we've been able to get in some advantageous looks. You know, you think back to certain games like BYU game or uh, even this last game at times we're able to hop into a look and feel like we have a numbers advantage and we stay in that look consistently and we run the ball, you know, um, as much as we can. And then our backs, you know, they get yards after contact. They don't go down the first hit. So those are all the things you look for. Um, those are all the things that our guys have done a good job of. Does your game plan change quarterback to quarterback, or do you feel confident whoever's in there can run the same stuff? I think every uh, you know every team, every player has different strengths and weaknesses, and you try to make sure you set up what you do based on their strengths and weaknesses. So right. it doesn't change the identity of who we are or what we do offensively or defensively when somebody's down. Um, but certainly you're going to try to play to your player's strengths. All right. I'm going to see you at the game. It's a 7.30 kickoff. I, uh, I wish you the best. Uh, go give them hell and catch planes, trains, and automobiles when the season's over.
Fair enough. All right, John. Have a good one. All right, you too. Dan Lanning, there he is, Oregon football coach. I want to dive into that. If you're listening to this, I want to hear from you. What did you think of that? What do you make of it? What is your hunch uh, on who's going to start at quarterback? I have one. I think I think there was a tell in there. Um, and uh, if you are listening, I've heard all these conspiracy theories, smoke screen, this and that. I think I got it figured out. I want you to tell me what you think is going to happen Saturday. Who wins a game? And if you're a Utah fan who was streaming the interview, I want to hear from you as well. How is Utah feeling about this? How are the Ute fans feeling about this? If this game were at Rice-Eccles Stadium, I would fear for another ambush. I think it's going to be close. 503-417-7575. It's 432. Uh, I don't want to be specific to that because I don't think I think that creates a competitive advantage to the opponent. Okay. Um, so we'll just say it wasn't uh, his pinky finger. You know that's not what it is. So we can get people going to start crossing that off their list. But I don't want to go into you know what the, the injury is. Ducks coach Dan Lanning giving a Bo Nix injury update right here on the BFT with John Canzano. And the betting lines have gone crazy in this game. Ducks started out as a three-point favorite. Now Utah, two-and-a-half-point favorite. It's still unknown if Bo Nix will play against Utah on Saturday. you want to be sure to catch that interview on 750thegame.com. And the Mariners, they made another trade today after trading for outfielder Teoscar Hernandez. They are trading outfielder Kyle Lewis for catcher-slash-outfielder Cooper Hummel of the Diamondbacks. Hummel actually attended Lake Ridge High School and the University of Portland. Cardinals first baseman Paul Goldschmidt, he is named NL MVP. He hit 317 with 35 home runs to earn his first MVP. And we got Thursday Night Football right here on 750 The Game. Tennessee Titans, they're going to be in Green Bay taking on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Coverage starts at 515. Packers three-point favorites. From the Cascades of the Coast, Frost-Brewed Coors Light is keeping Oregon and Washington sports fans chilled all season long. Coors Light made to chill. Fantastic flavors and feeling your best is what Jamba's all about. Stop by one of your locally owned and operated Jamba locations today or download the Jamba app and start earning points now. Jamba life is better blended. From the Beaverton Toyota Sports Desk, Stephen Vaughn, 750 The Game. At Beaverton Toyota, we keep things clear and transparent in sales and service, and now we bring you clear customs. Hi, this is Russ Humberston. Our team of certified Toyota technicians personalize your Toyota with custom wheels, tires, suspension systems, lights, racks, and more. All handpicked to fit your Toyota and your Northwest lifestyle. Experience clear customs at Beaverton Toyota. We've all felt the impact of rising food prices. For families in poverty, they're facing malnutrition and even death. You can feed a family for a month with your $50 donation to Compassion International. Just text the word radio to 97646. Listen to 750 The Game anytime, anywhere on Odyssey. Odyssey is your new audio home for all the music, news, sports, and podcasts that matter to you. Find your favorite stations alike 750 The Game, plus today's biggest podcasts. Find it all on the Odyssey app. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Mercedes-Benz of Wilsonville. It's time to drive the car that you've always really dreamed of. If you're looking for Mercedes-Benz, then make sure you check out Mercedes-Benz of Wilsonville, where you'll find some incredible values during our winter sales event. Lease a pre-owned 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLC for just $399 per month for 12 months and $399 due at signing. 
Yes, just $399 per month for a 2022 GLC SUV. Mercedes-Benz of Wilsonville is Oregon's AMG Performance Center. And with more than 400 vehicles to choose from, including the popular Sprinter van, you're sure to find the car you've always dreamed of. Mercedes-Benz of Wilsonville. It's time to drive the car that you've always really dreamed of. Pre-owned 2022 Mercedes-Benz GLC. Net cap cost 39400 Stock number NV337229. Total lease charge through SBC Financial 4788 Excludes taxes and fees. No security deposit. Inventory current time being released. See dealer for full disclosure or call 503-454-3240. Offer expires November 30th. It's Kanzano. You know I'm into my health and I'm into my fitness and I'm into putting good, healthy foods in my body. So no matter what time of year it is, I'm into Jamba. Jamba's world-famous smoothies, juices, bowls, blended with real fruit and veggie goodness, and they make the perfect breakfast, lunch, dinner, or snack. Download the Jamba app and earn points with every purchase, and you can redeem those rewards at your locally owned and operated Jamba. Every day is a great day for liquid sunshine in a cup. Jamba, life is better blended. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Guys, after that interview, I am convinced that uh, Bo Nix is not going to play. I agree. Peter, you have a different opinion than that? I do. I still maintain he's going to. I, I, I'm all in on the conspiracy. This is all gamesmanship. He doesn't want to say what the injury is. And I get where you're coming from, but I think he's trying to hold everyone in suspense. I just think he, he you know, I think he's been asked about it in the last 48 hours, probably 400 times. Um, I think he's being as cordial as he can be. He, you know, he's mildly annoyed with it. I would be too. But I, you know, like I said, look, I've got to ask the question. It's my job to ask the question. It's his job to answer the question if he wants to answer the question. I do think because of gambling that college athletics or maybe the conferences themselves should uh, explore the idea of an injury report. Because I think if you had an injury report this week, you would know that Oregon State's going to have at least one starter who's out for the game. You would know that. You know, If you had an injury report this week, I think we would know is Bo Nix out. Like, you know, and if Utah's got players that are in and out, like, you know, we'd be talking about that. Um, here's where I fall, though, on the Oregon-Utah thing. I've seen Utah three times up close, and I feel like they're good but not great. Steven, I think we kind of went through this together. At the beginning of the year, I picked Utah to win the conference. I thought they were great. Then I saw them a little bit. We saw the shine come off them against uh, UCLA. Uh, I went to Salt Lake City to see – I went there twice to see them play Oregon State. And I went to, to see them play uh, USC as well. And I came away from those games thinking defensively they've got some issues. They're not as good. The loss of Devin Lloyd at linebacker, uh, you know, they have uh, a really good corner. But I, they're just not as physical and not as dominant and not as that front seven, not as good as the 2021 front seven that dominated Oregon. So... I came away from that thinking that Oregon at Autzen Stadium with a healthy Bo Nix would score in the 40s against them. Now, um, I think Oregon should have scored in the 40s against Washington. Had they not fumbled the ball going into the end zone? Had they not, you know, decided, uh, you know, to go for it on fourth and one? They might have got there anyway. But I think, um, I think Oregon can score against 
Utah, whether Bo Nix is at quarterback or not. They're not going to score in the 40s, but I got them at 35 points. I think they can get there, and I think the fact that they run the ball effectively will help them. But if I'm Utah and I look across the line of scrimmage, and this is where Dan Lanning was talking about, you know, one game plan if this guy plays, another game plan if that guy plays. If I'm Utah, I am going to load up like I did when Anthony Brown was at quarterback for Oregon, and I'm going to make Oregon throw the football to beat me. So is it going to be Jay Butterfield? Is it going to be Ty Thompson? Is it going to be a hobbled Bo Nix in the game? That's why I'm taking a little bit – I'm taking some points away from Oregon in this game. I still think the Ducks, if they have Ty Thompson at quarterback, will score in the 30s. But my questions then become about the defense. If Oregon has some three and outs in this game and gives Utah some field position in this game, it could be a long night. Like, it could be Utah in the 40s and Oregon in the 30s. Oregon's got to keep this game manageable. It's got to be a 35-31 game. It's got to be a, you know, a 31-28 game. And so I really expect if Bo Nix doesn't play in this game, that Oregon is going to run, 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 run. And I think they're going to run – like, I, I remember Jonathan Smith came on the show uh, last year when they played USC. There were some runs in that game against USC where Oregon State early in the game got nothing. And I thought, why is he continuing to run? I asked him about it later, and he says, sometimes you run just to bloody him up. Oregon's going to have to bloody up Utah in this game to win it or be in it. Because if it gets away from Oregon, if they, if they start going three and out, three and out, and Utah gets up two or three scores, I don't know if Oregon can get back in that kind of game. Oregon, they've got to keep it. They've got to keep it kind of ground and pound, and, you know, uh, a 17-14 game at halftime would be ideal for Oregon. Yeah, I think, you know, and Coach Lanning talked about this, and you hit on it right there, is, you know, they're not going to change the style or the mentality of the team, but they're going to change it just, you know, a little bit here and there based off the personnel that they have in. So, you're right, they're going to be able to run the football. Right, like they've been able to do that all season long with Ty Thompson, or Jay Butterfield, or Bo Nix. They could run the football, but John, I mean, without Bo Nix and the threat of the passing game, can Ty yeah. Thompson do enough? Especially if that Oregon defense isn't up to standard. I think the big fear for me would be Utah gets the ball, scores quickly, puts Oregon in a spot where they feel like they have to score, and that's where Ty Thompson's going to make mistakes. I, I kind of feel like ideally, what Oregon would want in this game is, I think ideally they'd want to start on defense in this game and get a stop. And if they can, then they know they're getting the ball in the second half. I think you might see a game that is very similar to how Oregon State plays, uh, where they just try to uh, they want to get in a rumble with you. And I think Oregon's got to play that kind of game. And at home with the run game, I I still think Oregon's in this game. I'm I'm not ready to say this is all Utah. As much as I love Utah, like I love that team. I look at Cam Rising at quarterback. He is a winner. But I look at what he has available to him. It's been an erratic run game. It's been a revolving door at tight end with injuries. It, they haven't really utilized the receivers in the in the receiving game until the last three weeks. They look really good. They look like they're peaking. They look scary. But I'm, there's just something about this game that makes me feel like Oregon will come in and play very well. They have to or they're going to get run off the field. Mark's in Portland. Mark, what would you hear from Dan Lanning? Uh, I, I, I can't tell, you know, if Bo Nix is playing or not, but I mean, for me, I, I, I'm not seeing it quite the way you are. I'm a, you know, I'm diehard Oregon fan and, and realistically looking, we, we had the arguably one of the top three or four 
college football players in the nation this year on offense. And our identity is, you know, scoring points and, and, you know, but uh, our defense has been suspect all year. I mean, they gave up 41 points to Washington state. They gave up 30 to UCLA. So we know Utah's going to, going to score points and they're going to force Ty Thompson. If he's the starter, they're going to make him pass the football, John, you can't be one dimensional against the better teams in the Pac-12, and it just seems like a, a it just like you had a caller here call I think yesterday or the day before talking about the Dennis Dixon season. Yeah, and and it just it just that one position is so important in the Pac-12, the, the quarterback position. I'm hoping Ty Thompson proves us all wrong. This is his moment if if he is in fact is starting. But quite frankly, I think we have a better chance to win with a 75, 80 percent bow mix just because. His passing efficiency has been so good this year, and 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 you they, the defenses have to fear that part of our game, the passing game. We have one of the receivers is one of the arguably one of the best receivers in the nation. So we we have to show that we have that part of our game in order to to run as efficiently as we do. Because if we if the only thing we can do is run, they're going to put nine guys in the box and force us to pass. Yeah, I, I don't know if you heard, Mark. I've been dreaming about this. I had a dream the other night that the first play of the game, Ty Thompson went play action and threw the ball to, I think it was Chris Hudson, about 75 yards for a touchdown. It, you have to do that to Utah if you're gonna if you're gonna be in this game. You have yeah, to. Yeah, you're hurt. dreaming. You gotta hurt him. You're dreaming, all right. <laughs> hey, listen, listen, Bo Nix. You know, it, let's think. Let's talk about Bo Nix. He's been great. But didn't weren't we told by the SEC fans that Bo Nix was terrible? But he stands behind that Oregon offensive line, and what he's a Heisman Trophy candidate all of a sudden. I'm I, look, I'm guilty of it too. Is it possible that Ty Thompson could be pretty good behind that offensive line? It's it's possible, but I'm betting on Utah, buddy. All right, <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk Monday. There it is. I I wouldn't touch this game with a ten foot pole. That I I don't trust the game. Yeah, I had a hard time picking this game. Early in the week, I thought Utah. Then I flipped and I said, you know what? If Bo Nix plays, I think Oregon be okay. Then I heard Chris Hudson, and I, I said, okay, let's assume Ty Thompson's going to be the starter at quarterback. And I thought to myself, let me look at Oregon's run game. And then I went back and I watched Utah. I watched some film of Utah against USC. I watched some film against Utah against UCLA, and I thought, gosh, that's not that. That's not the Kyle Whittingham front seven from 2021 that dominated Oregon. The home field, the fact that Oregon can run the ball, do not dismiss this in this game. I caution you. I like the Ducks and the points. I don't love it, but I like it. What would you make the line if the game was in Utah? Ten. Utah, Utah would be. I'd put him at nine. Utah nine point favorite. Yeah, I mean, I just. I think it's such a big difference without Bo Nix in this in this lineup, and I, I hope I'm wrong because, like that caller said, it may be where 75% Bo Nix is better than Ty Thompson, but Bo Nix has been one of the best players in college football all season long. You want to see him healthy and out there against a team like Utah when you know the Pac-12, you know, a spot in the, the Pac-12 title game is on the line, basically. Did you? Lo- I didn't like how Bo Nix looked when he came back into the game, uh, you know, against Washington. Like, you could tell he wasn't right. You know, he was making plays and he was throwing the ball around, but you could tell he wasn't anywhere near uh, 100%. And I and that concerned me. And I and I thought, you know what, maybe maybe Oregon shouldn't be playing this guy if he's not 100%. How do you feel about that? Should, should Bo Nix be 
playing quarterback if he's 75 percent i i think we're trying to getting into like player safety and how much does the player's injury count here yeah i mean not knowing exactly what the injury is i mean sometimes you can go out there and you can play it's not gonna get worse but i i, I tend to agree with you if he's not 100 percent, if he's not 90 95 percent, you can't put him out there and usually in that spot the backup's gonna be a better choice anyways well, let's uh, let's kick that around. I want more of your phone calls. 503-417-7575. It's time for holiday shopping at Fred Meyer. Save on great gifts for everyone on your list, like pajamas for the whole family, including your pets. Get special deals on home electronics and appliances. And, of course, get ready for half-price socks and underwear on Black Friday only. Shop great holiday deals all month long at Fred Meyer. Fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Fred Meyer, celebrating 100 years. Hey, it's John Canzano on behalf of Reflex. Are you having knee issues? I had three knee surgeries. Three. It was brutal. Before the surgeries, I had swelling and I had pain. Afterwards, it was a long road back. If I didn't find Reflex along the way, I can't tell you how much worse off I would be. Reflex helped me get back to life. I got PRP therapy. That's platelet-rich plasma therapy. The joint itself healed, got better. I got stem cell treatment. That was a game changer as well. Reflex has cutting-edge treatment modalities. They have the best technology. They have the best expertise. If you have knee pain, don't fool around with any kind of the, don't jimmy jack around with the amateurs. Go to the experts at Reflex. I want you to go to reflexknees.com. Do that right now in this commercial break. Do not wait like I did. Reflexknees.com. If I would have found Reflex years before the surgeries, I would have been better off. Reflexknees.com. Hey, Portland, this is Patrick. Did you know that Portland gets 43 inches of rain a year all in the next nine months? Is your roof ready for what's to come? If not, we can help you. Just ask for Roof Life of Oregon. John Canzano here. Angela and her family were hungry. When life threw her a curveball and her income got temporarily cut, she was left scrambling, unable to pay for both rent and food. She did all of the right things. Applied for emergency benefits, asked friends and neighbors for help. Like a lot of families, Angela needed a little help to get her through. And Snowcap filled the gap by providing nutritious groceries. Angela didn't have to choose between eating and homelessness. For the last dozen years, Bess Wills at Gresham Ford has spearheaded a campaign. She's helping Snowcap raise support to assist families in temporary crisis. She wants to keep them from the tipping point that can lead to homelessness. As you can imagine, times are challenging. And over the last three months, Snowcap has seen a 50% increase in families needing assistance compared to this time last year. You want to help reduce homelessness? Go to GreshamFord.com help and support Snowcap. A $20 donation will help a lot. $50 will help a lot more. GreshamFord.com slash help. And thank you. Compass Oncology. Cancer care close to home. Providing personalized, comprehensive treatment and conducting life-saving clinical trials and research in Vancouver, Portland, and Tiger. More at CompassOncology.com. We've all felt the impact of rising food prices. For families in poverty, they're facing malnutrition and even death. You can feed a family for a month with your $50 donation to Compassion International. Just text the word radio to 97646. 
Gah, I'm so stressed about my business not being ready for the holidays. Uma. What is that? Meditation? I'm recommending the Uma cloud phone system with auto attendant and more than 35 features. Uma? Yep. Switching to Uma is a cinch. Starts at $19.95 per month per user, plus taxes and fees. Uma. Now you're feeling it. Visit Uma.com. That's O-O-M-A dot com to learn more. Uma. Smart communications for the smarter business. Making an impact. Sponsored by Granger. More than 70% of oyster reefs in Florida have disappeared in the last half century. Ann Birch of the Nature Conservancy hopes new funding can help turn that around. It is really important to use that money in the way that will restore the system that was harmed. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. Backed by 24-7 support and access to product experts. Call, click Granger. Ranger.com or just stop by. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I appreciate everybody who listens to this show. Thank you for listening. I know your time is valuable. I try not to waste it. I want to talk about Oregon and Utah. Uh, five at Five is coming up top of the hour. Tomorrow's show is fantastic. John Robinson, former USC coach, former University of Oregon player, and assistant coach will be joining us tomorrow to talk about his run as USC's coach. Uh, I'll ask him uh, a bunch of questions, and he'll give us some answers. Joe Starkey on tomorrow's show as well. Do you guys know Joe Starkey? You know who that is? No. Should I? Too young. Joe Starkey. Harmon will probably try to squib it, and he does. Ball comes loose, and the Bears have to get out of bounds. Rogers along the sideline. Another one. They're still in deep trouble at midfield. They tried to do a couple of... The ball is still loose as they get it to Rogers. They give it back out of the 30. They're down to the 20. Oh, the band is out on the field. He's going to go under the end zone. Will it count? The Bears have scored, but the Bears are out on the field. There were flags all over the place. Wait and see what happens. We don't know who won the game. There are flags on the field. We have to see whether or not the flags are in Stafford or Pell. The Bears may have made some illegal laterals. It could be that it won't count. The Bears, believe it or not, took it all the way into the end zone. If the penalty is against Stanford, California would win the game. If it is not, the game is over and Stanford is won. We've heard no decision yet. Everybody's milling around on the field. The Bears have won. The Bears have won. Oh, my God. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heartrending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. That guy. Now I know. Now I know. Joe Starkey will call his final big game on Saturday. He's retiring. He'll join us on tomorrow's show along with John Robinson. Trip down memory lane. Is Michael's. That, yeah, oh, go ahead. Is that, is that calling the Mount Rushmore of calls? It's a great call. 
I don't know if I like that version as much. Here's a here's a little different version. I'll just give you a little snippet of it because that that version is is modified and cleaned up quite a bit. Here's a little different version of the same call. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heartrending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. California lost the big game over Stanford. Oh, excuse me for my voice, but I have never. Never seen anything like it. <laughs> That's awesome. Great. That's great. Joe Starkey on tomorrow's show, along with John Robinson. Let's go to Michael and Eugene, who's listening on Fox Sports Eugene. Go ahead, Michael. John, I've been heartbroken all week. I uh, I mean, we have a dog named Option, a dog named Bilotti. We call boats. <laughs> it's real. I actually live in Albuquerque. I say I'm from Eugene because that's where I became a man. But, I mean, we have an O on the bottom of our pool. I'm a season ticket holder. That was brutal. I and against Washington for them to beat us again. By, there was some nonsense in the pile on that play, and that's what this rivalry is, right? I mean, but if they took our quarterback – I mean, don't you think it's Ty on Saturday after talking to Dan? I, I yeah, like... I do. I do think it's Ty Thompson. And and I think, you know, I think they'll come up with a game plan that will be heavily focused on trying to ugly this game up and run the football, take advantage of the home field advantage. And what can they get better? Can they get good enough on defense to keep to stay in this game? Can they hold Utah to 28 to 31 points? If they can, they're in this game. Here is the thing that my flock and I have been talking about, and you know, I've been doing this a long time. And our last dominant defense, people keep asking about that. The 2019 Rose Bowl team was pretty good. They shut Wisconsin down. Brady Breeze, you had, um, you had some edge pressure. I mean, there were a couple three NFLers on their cave on. That defense was good when they were focused, and they were focused that day. So here is our question about Tosh Lapoy. Have you ever interviewed one of those people in a corporate setting? They're great in the room, which is why Tosh is an incredible recruiter. But the you go down that 11 and some of the backups on the defensive side of the ball, it's very hard for me to come to terms that – that was the best plan they could put together against Washington. I'm sure Lanning, imagine how many transfers they're going to have to have on defense to get it done next fall. And maybe he doesn't stick his nose in there quite as much out of respect for his coordinators, unlike Mario. But I wish he would. And the thing I'm really shocked at I thought we were going to see all kinds of exotic pressures and yeah. if they were going to get home more than they have. Yeah, just... not seeing it. And, and you know what? They were very vanilla. They played a lot of zone against Washington, and Michael Penix Jr. picked them apart. Uh, Cam Rising in Utah, it's not Michael Penix Jr. They've got a tight end. They've got a running back. They have one outside receiver they like to use. This is not as dynamic an offense. This is not even UCLA's offense. Utah's going to try to run the ball. They're going to utilize the tight end. I have a lot of respect for Andy Ludwig, the coordinator. 
Um, if Oregon doesn't get better on defense from last week to this week, Oregon could get run out of the stadium. They have to be better. They have to be more aggressive. They have to be better. They also need to run the ball. And if Ty Thompson's the guy, he's got to make some plays. Otherwise, we can put to rest. Hey, where's Ty Thompson? Put it all to rest. Leave it here. BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. Well, it's Thursday night. Thursday night football will be coming up about 5 15. Tennessee at Green Bay. Banged up Tennessee 6 3. At 4 6, Green Bay. That should be a good game on Amazon Prime on television and right here on 750 The Game. Tomorrow's show, John Robinson, legendary USC coach, former Oregon football player, played receiver at Oregon back in the day, 1958. He went to the Rose Bowl with the Oregon Ducks. They played Ohio State in the Rose Bowl that year. They lost 10 to 7. They thought they were world beaters. Could have won that game. I think it was 7-7 at halftime. But uh, we'll have John Robinson on tomorrow. We'll have Joe Starkey on tomorrow. The architect of the call on the big game. The big play, the big game. So Joe Starkey, John Robinson among the guests tomorrow. We'll uh, try to drill down on this Oregon-Utah game. Obviously, Oregon State and everybody else playing full slate of Pac-12 games, USC, UCLA. I like UCLA. I think they're going to win the L.A. rivalry. I just think, look, you know, every team has played a game this season that you could throw out, right? I, I keep thinking about that. Oregon State played at Utah. Throw it out. Like, they were just so bad early on. Throw that game out. Um, I think every team's played one of those games. And I think UCLA's game may have just unfortunately come last week at the hands of Arizona and Jaden Delora. Now, um, I think USC played an ugly game or two as well. And I keep looking at the games that UCLA played this year, the wins they had. They beat Washington. They beat Utah. I'm looking at USC and I'm going, who did they beat? They didn't beat anybody. So... I like UCLA. I think they, they have a, a better resume, and they're at home. And, oh, by the way, they've got a running back who can get you eight yards of carry if you don't tackle him right. So I think uh, Travis Dye being out for USC is a killer. I'll take UCLA in that USC-UCLA rivalry game. But I'll ask John Robinson what that game used to mean in his era when uh, it was, you know, the 1970s, 80s, what did that game mean for John Robinson in USC? I'll ask him on tomorrow's show. Uh, we do the 5 at 5 every day. Let's do it. The 5 at 5. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz of Wilsonville. See more than 4,000 vehicles at Swickert.com. Well, the NFL has moved the Buffalo Bills home game against the Cleveland Browns. They're moving it to Detroit. People in Detroit celebrating that the NFL is finally coming to Detroit. Buffalo Bills will play the Browns in Detroit due to a winter storm with lake effect snow that is expected to hit western New York in the next couple of days. The game remains scheduled for 10 a.m. Pacific time. It's supposed to get five feet of snow 
Thursday night, that's tonight, through Saturday night. Thunder, other inclement conditions also expected. Um, the NFL just said, look, man, these games are worth too much. People in Detroit finally need to see an NFL game. So you're going to get the Bills and the Browns in Detroit. That's number one in our five at five. And I said, and I'm counting these so I remember. Number two, Washington, D.C., and the, the eternal Attorney General in the District of Columbia, more specifically, has filed a second lawsuit against Daniel Snyder's NFL team, alleging that the team has cheated residents out of hundreds of thousands of dollars in unreturned security deposits for season ticket holders. The commanders are under fire. Not just Daniel Snyder, who's been singled out by the other owners. And by the way, once you get singled out in that club, there's no coming back from it. It's just a matter of how, when, how, you know, they're going to wedge him out. But the commander's also under fire with the attorney general's office in Washington, D.C. This is not going to end well for the commanders. Number three in our five at five, Jets quarterback Zach Wilson took a swipe at the critics ahead of his game against the New England Patriots. First time in his career that he's been subjected to intense criticism. He had a three interception game the night before Halloween against the Patriots. He's getting a rematch on Sunday. And, uh, you know, perhaps he's emboldened by the performance that he had uh, last week through for a career-high 355 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, but uh, I think, uh, you know, he's taken some shots. Former number two overall pick um, has played uh, kind of up and down, kind of what you expect from a young quarterback. But he gets a rematch on Sunday with Bill Belichick's Patriots. And he's taken some swipes at the critics in, in the run-up to that. Keep an eye on that game. Finally, uh, our number four thing, finally, Aaron Judge. No surprise here. Capped his historic season by winning the American League MVP award. Guy hit a million home runs, became the first Yankees outfielder to win the American League Most Valuable Player Award since Mickey Mantle did it in 1962. He got 28 first place votes, uh, and uh, he beat Shohei Otani. He was the only other player to get a first place vote. He had two. But Judge led the American League in home runs, RBI, slugging percentage, on-base percentage, total bases. Um, he was, uh, a few years ago, the unanimous American League Rookie of the Year. Now he's an MVP. Our fifth thing in our 5 at 5, we got Dan Landing on the show just a bit ago. The University of Oregon football coach wouldn't tell us who's going to start a quarterback. Hell, he wouldn't even tell us what the injury was. Dan Lanning said, uh, Bo Nix injury update, it's not his pinky finger. Listen. Uh, I don't want to be specific to that because I don't think I think that creates a competitive advantage to the opponent. Okay. Um, so we'll just say it wasn't uh, his pinky finger. You know, that's not what it is. So we can get people going to start crossing that off their list. But I don't want to go into, you know, what the, the injury is. Dan Lanning, not going there. So that's our five biggest stories going on i don't know i don't know peter you still think bo nicks will play you think this is a it's a smoke screen it's a red herring it's a it's a sleight of hand move by the oregon coaching staff would it would be really really funny if bo nicks walks out there and he's healthy i i and i don't know that he's going to be 100 percent healthy but what i'm saying is right after taking that hit he he was jumping up and down on the sideline he got out there he didn't look the same but if he could play a week ago i mean 
what are they going to find? It's not like all of a sudden he's not going to be able to walk three days later, most likely. I think he's going to go. I don't know that he's going to be 100%, but I will say, John, very briefly, that as much as uh, t- the tide has sort of turned on Ty-, Ty Thompson, everyone wanted him, and then he struggled a little bit, it would be so poetic if he did have to play and he led them to a win. Oh, boy. If he does play, what is the point? Let's say that in the pr- in the run-up to the game, so we've seen this point spread go from Oregon – I've seen it as high as Oregon minus two and a half, and now it is uh, Utah minus two to two and a half. It's rising. It's going to get to three, three and a half by kickoff. This is a like a you know a five to six point swing in the spread. What does the spread do right before kickoff if it if it turns out Bo Nix is going to start? Does it swing back all the way the other way? Well, that's interesting thing because you know think about that Utah Washington State game. Cam Rising comes out and warms up. Right, like if Bo Nix comes out, and warms up. I think you're right. That thing, that thing flips right back to Oregon, be even favored. But that doesn't mean he's playing. But like so I if, do, I do yeah. think it would flip back to at least a pick, if not Oregon being favored, if Bo Nix warms up. So if you were, if you jumped on this early and you got Oregon, let's say you got Utah plus two and a half. Now the spread is two and a half the other way. You wait for it to get to three, three and a half. You bet it back and try to try to hit it in the middle. You might as well. I mean, I think it's not. I mean, <laughs> these are two good teams, right? Like it seems like it could be a close game. So anyway, I think it's going to be close. Yeah. So I think that's a good play. It, this game being at Autzen Stadium, you know, we've talked about it. I don't see other people talking about that. I am a huge believer in the home field in this conference. I think Oregon will will come to play. And last week we had two road road underdogs win. Arizona won and Washington won. It kind of it threw me off. I got to be honest with you. It threw me because I did not expect that. We hadn't seen that all season. We're back tomorrow with another great show. We have Thursday night football coming up here in 750 the game. Leave it here.